0: Lock
1: and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Lots of different ways to do that on the various socials out there. Look for my name, Steve Dace. Like it on Facebook, on MeWe, over on Gab. You can also follow me on Twitter at stevedayshow. Breaking news earlier today. Our old friend Dan Bongino said Parlor was coming back on a Monday. He just had the wrong Monday. The word is it's coming back later today. Uh, Parlor will be back later today. So we're excited to hear that news. Also, a little shout out to my old friend Mark Meckler, the new CEO over at oh, Parler. Wow. He's good people. Yeah. They made a good choice with that. Uh, also, you can uh, if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample and then share with others. Mark Meckler treated me to maybe the best restaurant meal I have had in my life. You guys want, guess where you think it occurred? Guess where you think it happened?
0: Well, where does he live?
1: He lives in Texas, but it didn't occur there. The best, what do you? And it's going to make you mad when I tell you where it was. Oh, was it in D.C.? Yes, Um, but it wasn't just anywhere in D.C. Is it
0: an Italian restaurant?
1: No, no. it was on Capitol Hill at the Capitol Hill Club where the VIPs Uh, eat.
0: yeah. Okay,
1: Uh, he's got a connection there through a member of Congress that's a friend of his. Holy cow! Those folks are eating well. Let me just put it that. You way.
0: Tasted how the blue check marks.
1: Live? Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, I, I was looking around for Caesar Flickerman to like narrate this <laughs> meal. It was so District One. It was so decadent. It was so opulent. It was so annoying, and it was so good. Anyway, uh, congrats to Mark Meckler on his new gig. If you're looking for clips of this show that you'd like to sample and then share with others, uh, youtube.com slash Dace, and then check out rumble.com slash show. Coming up later in the program, uh, next hour, it's our weekly uh, town hall. It's the Monday Facebook Ask Me Anything edition. At the bottom of this hour, I- I've got uh, some things I want to say now post-impeachment, now that this waste of time is beyond us. I have a few things I want to say, get them off my chest, and then just let you guys react. Before we get to Aaron's montage, though, uh, you know, we, we pride ourselves on the pursuit of truth on this program. And no one is, there are no sacred cows on this show. No one is immune to the truth. And I have been a staunch and enthusiastic promoter of a product on our program that you've heard quite a bit about recently called Bilt Bar. And I I I I just wanna and I don't want to like make one of these kinds of statements like bury it like the New York Times is doing right now. Uh, we what do you mean, uh, hit with a or killed with a, a fire extinguisher or a flagpole. We, we we never reported that fifteen times. What are you talking about? I mean you know, that kind of stuff. If if we're not sure, we wanna let you know up front as as, as soon as possible. With the Steve Carell GIF, we're not sure, okay? So, over the weekend, I got a sampler box of the latest built bar flavor, and it's the um by the way, the chocolate chip cookie dough, my chocolate chip cookie dough built bars finally came, and I'm gonna throw them into this as well. But the latest built bar flavor is coconut brownie chunk. Now, it says here in the rundown for this product that these are. 160 calories or less three to five grams of carbs up to 20 grams of protein and everything else I've told you about until the chocolate chip cookie dough and the coconut uh, brownie chunk flavors were the best tasting protein bar you've ever had you've never had one that good I've heard from so many of you in the audience that agree and I felt very comfortable making that claim until I've tried these two new flavors, I, I don't believe. They both claim to be 150 calories, I don't believe it. I've, I think our show's looked at a lot of bad data in the last 10 months, right? Have we seen, we're gonna see some more in Aaron's montage here in a minute, I'm guessing. Yep. These candy bars are the IHME
0: model of candy bars? I, now, I needed a second opinion.
1: So I brought them here to you, all right? Uh, Bah Humbug
0: himself i like how the emails you're sending me too lately are like i'm the i'm the totally joyless void yes of this show. yes i brought <laughs> it to you, the, i brought it
1: to the black death here on the program all right where anything positive goes to die is in the lap of todd Erzin.
0: do you know how hard i had to work to get that reputation when i work next to these two guys he's a 26 year old who makes coffee tables at home and he's steve dace
1: <laughs> todd figured out how to finally master his catholic guilt enjoy nothing <laughs> <laughs> enjoy nothing <laughs> There's nothing to feel guilty about. Enjoy nothing. Go to confession on... No, frankly, I'm good. I'm good. Next, we're good here. So I brought one to you before the show. What happened?
0: Listen, I I don't have much of a sweet tooth. I, I would say if I did not know what it was, there's these candy bars now. That um, they all, they have like their snooty version. These de- like the fudge, the fudge, yeah, of and it's, Milky Way. The wrappings yeah. are all yeah. really that way too. I would have thought that Milky Way had done their own thing. I, I would have never guessed in a million years that this was a a a health product of some kind. I
1: just would have thought it was a candy bar. There you go. I, I can't give it a better no endorsement than that. I mean
0: everything—not okay. only taste, but texturally. I even everything. told you just
1: take a bite; you don't have to eat it all. That thing yeah. was gone in five seconds. Yeah. It was gone in five seconds. I can eat. Yeah. All right. So, with that as an endorsement, you can test their data as much as we can as well. You you try it for yourself, and you tell me if you think these things are 150 calories, because I kind of don't. Nothing, nothing this good. Short of when we get to the marriage supper of the lamb. Nothing this good is 150 calories or less. All right? BuiltBar.com is where you can go. B-U-I-L-T. For BuiltBar.com, use the promo code DACE uh, and get 20% off either your first or your next order if you've tried it before. You want to try it again. BuiltBar.com, promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, for 20% off. All right, here's Aaron with the rundown of what happened while we were away.
2: What happened while we were away, brought to you by O for 2. PAs are 57 the nays are 43. Former President Trump was once again acquitted on his impeachment charges of inciting the incidents at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. The second trial of Donald Trump met an abrupt end as the Senate voted in favor of Trump's conviction 57 to 43, falling short of the required 67 votes. Seven Republicans voted with every Democrat to convict the former president. Mitt Romney, Ben Sass Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Richard Burr, Pat Toomey, and Bill Cassidy. Senator Mitch McConnell voted against convicting Trump, but instead said this. There's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally
1: responsible for provoking the events of the day no question about
2: it. The second impeachment trial of Trump met its aforementioned abrupt end after impeachment managers in the House dropped what amounted to a grenade in the lap of Senate Democrats on Saturday morning, calling for witnesses in the trial just minutes before the Senate gaveled in. This left Senate Democrats in a lurch as voting in favor of calling witnesses would have likely dragged the trial on for days if not weeks. Of course, all of this stems from the events at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, which left multiple people dead, or so we were told. The New York Times quietly retracted its month-old report about the events which perpetuated the idea that U.S. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick might have died after being struck by a fire extinguisher. Now affixed to the top of the report headline, Capitol Police Officer Dies from Injuries in Pro-Trump Rampage, is an update note. Quote, new information has emerged regarding the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick that questions the initial cause of death provided by officials close to the Capitol Police. Officer Sicknick's cause of death is still not officially known. Moving on to... The CDC finally unveiled its new guidance for school reopening by issuing a handy color-coded map to place counties in tiers of transmission rates. The tier system ranges from blue at the lowest levels to yellow, orange, and red at the highest. The CDC says if your county is in red, middle school and high school should be doing virtual learning only while sports are to be virtual only as well somehow. For those of you listening, the map we see shows 2599 counties or 82.8% of the country in red while two counties, 0.06%, are in the lowest tier. CDC director Rochelle Walensky was asked by CNN's Jake Tapper what the science was behind these new guidelines. But President Biden has promised to always follow the science. Can you put to can you point to any scientific reasons for students in the United States not to return to in-person classes tomorrow? as long as schools are taking the five steps that we referred to earlier, masking, cleansing, et cetera. Why not open the schools right now? You know, I think if you look at what's, as you noted, there's 90% of of, um, communities with this high rate of transmission going on right now. And we we really don't want
1: to bring community disease into the classroom. We also know that um, mask
2: breaching is among the reasons that uh, we have transmission within schools when it happens. And so we really need to do the hard work to make sure that there's universal masking. Not to worry, though, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci, the science will change in kids' favor so long as a new stimulus bill is passed. I think that the schools really do need more resources, and that's the reason why the National Relief Act that we're talking about getting passed, we need that. The schools need more resources. Now you want to get mad, like really mad? Well, here's the story from Reuters from 2009, titled Closing Schools Won't Stop Pandemics Study. Closing schools at the first sign of a new pandemic might delay the worst so health officials can prepare, but cannot prevent the spread of the disease British researchers said on Monday and while closing schools might spread out demands on hospitals, it could disrupt healthcare services and the rest of the economy in other ways. <laughs> Neil Ferguson of Imperial College London and colleagues said, again that story is from 2009. Other science, science news, uh, New Zealand is heading back into another round of lockdowns. This is the third time the entire island nation has locked down over concerns about the coronavirus. Biden National Security adviser Jake Sullivan responded to the news from last week from the World Health Organization regarding the lab leak origin theory of coronavirus, saying, quote, we have deep concerns about the way in which the early findings on the COVID-19 investigation were communicated and questions about the process used to reach them. It is imperative that this report be independent with expert findings free from intervention or alteration by the Chinese government. As a reminder, the World Health Organization last week dismissed the possibility that the origin of the COVID-19 pandemic came from a Chinese lab. The crumbling facade that is New York Governor Andrew Cuomo continues on Thursday night. The New York Post reported on a conference between Cuomo aide Melissa DeRosa and Democrat lawmakers in the state where she, as a member of the Cuomo administration, explicitly admitted that the administration hid nursing home data from the public out of fear of being prosecuted at the federal level. This report comes after news from last month that New York Attorney General Alicia James is opening an investigation into the Cuomo administration's handling of the virus within nursing homes that didn't stop the emmys from presenting cuomo with his award it is now my distinct pleasure to present the 2020 international emmy founders award to governor andrew cuomo with a little help from some of my fellow new yorkers to my governor the governor empire state Andrew Cuomo. Congratulations, Andrew, on your much-deserved Founders Award. Governor Andrew Cuomo, you are the man, what? I was trying to
1: think of something that I could say to you that would uh, be funny, and so I called your brother, Chris, who could not understand why you were getting an Emmy since he's the one on television. In the darkest days of the
0: pandemic, your daily briefings, live from New York, gave us
2: hope, gave us clarity, gave us the truth, and gave us something that we were not getting from Washington leadership. New York has the second highest death rate in the country from coronavirus. Speaking of crashing and burning, the anti-Trump Lincoln Project continues to do just that. First, a few weeks ago, it was the revelation that one of its co-founders, John Weaver, was a sexual predator. At that time, Lincoln Project leaders said they had no clue about his behavior. That was followed by a report from the Associated Press detailing the fact that leadership at the Lincoln Project did indeed know from the middle of last summer. Then there was the Associated Press report digging into the finances of the Lincoln Project and showing how millions upon millions of dollars to the pack was funneled to consultant groups owned by Lincoln Project leadership. Then there was what happened late last week with the Lincoln Project ostensibly hacking into a reporter's Twitter account and posting screenshots of direct messages for the world to see. That was an attempt to smear a report which ended up being published by the 19th which detailed allegations of a toxic sexist work environment within the Lincoln Project. Then co-founder Steve Schmidt announced last week he's stepping down from the Lincoln Project. Learning chinese today today's phrase is how do you say schadenfreude in chinese and finally we need more of this at least one dude in victoria australia is fed up with the lockdowns he decided to go to a local park without a mask and grill out when the media showed up and attempted to grill him did you realize there's a lockdown Mm, can't wait for some of these things he's gonna be good at for those of you listening, what we're watching is the aforementioned dude musing about how tasty his sausages are going to be when an idiot news reporter asked him if he was aware that they were in a lockdown. He displays a monstrously good backhand as he swats the microphone away. Did you realize there's a lockdown? Mm, can't wait for some of these things. He's going to be good at And that's what happened while we were away.
1: Well, after watching Aaron's montage, you may feel like I could use a glass of wine. Thankfully, uh, we have some really good wine uh, to tell you about here called Bonner's Private Wine. Um, It is... Uh, absolutely delicious. We've all tried it. We've all tried bottles of it. Uh, it is um, uh, from vineyards miles and miles away from civilization. Remote vineyards as high as 9,000 feet in Argentina. And it's got no dyes, no flavor additives. And the best part is the flavor. Blackberry, leather, smoke, a little dark cherry. If you'd like to give this a shot, head over to PatriotWine2021.com patriotwine 2021 No inflated prices. You're going to get top quality foreign wine for about half of the price. When you go to PatriotWine2021.com, 50% off of shipping today. And again, all three of us have tried this and we all thought that this was really good stuff. PatriotWine2021.com. Again, 50% off at PatriotWine2021.com. In the overtime today, we're going to be discussing a story that did not make Aaron's montage and that neither of you have read. Right? Right. Okay. So you guys are going to be my ad hoc focus group on this story that emerged over the weekend. The Pentagon of these United States is admitting that it has been mining and repurposing raw materials from UFOs. This story came out over the weekend. Confirmation from the Pentagon that it is doing this. And... We are going to discuss this story. I'm going to share it in real time. And then you guys are just going to react. I have no idea how you're going to react, but that will be the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber, get a discounted subscription. We're going to record it right after the show today and then upload it for our Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. And that's where you, our subscribers can go and watch this later. Let's get to... To me, there's two big angles to Aaron's montage. One of them we're going to actually talk about here next segment. We've not covered impeachment on this show whatsoever. Because it's, a, as we told you last week, it's a colossal waste of time. But we, uh, at least I believe, the aftermath of this impeachment could be very meaningful. I'm going to talk about what that might look like here in the next segment. The other big story that emerged over the weekend, and classic use of a song way before your time, Aaron, but one of the favorite songs of my childhood was Thomas Dolby's, She Blinded Me With Science. Did you know he actually used to play ad hoc backup keyboardist, studio keyboardist for Foreigner? No. That, that does not seem like a match, does it? Hey, after I, right after I get down busting out some, dropping some keys on urgent, let me come over here and do the synth on She Blinded Me With Science, right? Doesn't really seem like a it does not. match. No, but did. All right. So Thomas Dolby's She Blinded Me With Science. There's a story in the British Journal of Medicine. Their version of a New England Journal of Medicine or a JAMA today. Actually, it came out just a couple of days ago. Basically, just lambasting this entire farce of scientism being politicized. The kind of article that we won't run here because of the hypothesis that our friend Daniel Horowitz had last year about why Sweden, Norway, Denmark, these countries were telling the truth. Because the, the statists already have all the power that they want in these places. And so therefore, they don't want to destroy their way of lives. We've been we've talked on this show last year at times there were a couple of different occasions where we caught the BBC breaking its foot off in Boris Johnson's backside. Remember, we played some of those yes. clips. We'd never see that from our version of a mainstream media here across the pond. But that's them saying, you guys have all the power you want. We want to go back to the pub now. We want to go back to the soccer matches. You know what I mean? We don't need to Rahm Emanuel these things. You guys have all the power. Can we actually follow the actual science? Oxford has been grilling the UK government since basically the day after the Imperial College survey came out. Oxford, the number one rated university in the world. Numerous scientists from Oxford have said this is garbage. What's going on here? Now, this isn't happening except for a few people at a place like Stanford, a couple of professors at a place um, at, at some other high uh, high ranked universities. But like, as a as a like, there are people at Yale and Harvard, Doctor Katz, Doctor Rish, that have been very critical of this. But you wouldn't see that from like. The faculty as a whole, even at Stanford, Scott Atlas, where you have Jay Bakaraka, is that his name, I believe, or something like that? Bakhtari. Or Bakhtari, something. thank yeah. you. And several, and Johnny Edies is there. Um, they're, they're still the unicorns at even a school like Stanford. They, The rest of their faculty is blasting them for for telling the truth about this, right? That's not going on it's in, in other places around the world. Israeli universities have been crushing Benjamin Netanyahu for months about this. The dynamic's totally different. Merkel would be Germany's version of a right-of-center politician, which means she's a New England Democrat in America. She gets crushed by their media. Israeli media... Academia is losing its damn mind over what Netanyahu has done with his lockdown fetish. The BBC going after board It's just, it is flipped on its head compared to what we have here. And the reason why, or another example of the reason why, is what transpired over the weekend with the CDC and the reopening of schools. Now, a lot of my conservative media brethren... Are claiming that after what the CDC did, where they put out that ridiculous map that said unless you live in International Falls, Minnesota, you should not be playing high school sports in person. Now they're ignoring when we start. We started high school baseball and softball in Iowa. It's the summer, June first of June, late May, late May. Okay, so that's how many months? How many months of data do we have in Iowa? We were the first state to resume in-person athletic activity with children. First state in the union.
0: I was there. I umpired 25 baseball games. So we That's have funny. how
1: many months of real-time data? They're just going to totally ignore it. Yes. Because this isn't science. It's politics. See, I'm, I have a different opinion than my, a lot of my conservative brethren who are saying things like, after this chart came out, if you're in a blue state with a blue state governor, just count on the fact that unless you get rid of that governor... You're not getting your schools reopened again until, until two or three years from now. I disagree with that. In fact, I actually think the ridiculousness of this exercise is going to speed up the process. And I want to take you back to an example I have cited before. This occurred last May. Last May, Gavin Newsom appeared with Jake Tapper on CNN, the California governor. He did an interview with him saying, we're never reopening schools in California again without a vaccine. You guys remember this? Yes. Just a few days after he gave this interview, Governor Doug Dushy, whatever his name is, down there in Arizona, announced that they were going to reopen the state for athletics. Major League Baseball teams could begin preparing for a resumption of a season if they wanted. Other professional sports teams could do this. They, I think Arizona was the first state to do that. It was Arizona or Florida, remember? Yeah. Okay. A couple days after Doug Ducey did this, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas made the same announcement. And this all went down in about eight days. It was about eight days from when Gavin Newsom, not more than, not much more than a week, when Gavin Newsom was on, Jake Tapper on a Sunday morning in May saying, we're never going back to school or anything without a vaccine in California. Never again. All of a sudden, Arizona and Texas. Ron DeSantis then gave a press conference in Florida saying, hey, if your state isn't open and you got to get back to playing sports and having some form of real life, come to Florida. We'll find space for you. Remember that, too? Yeah, of course. All this went down. All right. So one blue state governor of the most prominent blue state in the union. Basically going Nikita Khrushchev, taking his shoe off at the U.N., pounding the lectern right in Jake Tapper's face. We're never opening up. We're never doing this again without a vaccine. Three red state governors say we are. And within a week, a little more, I think it was eight days, Gavin Newsom has another press conference in California announcing that the state will soon be reopening for athletic teams. Remember this? Mm-hmm. See, this is going to repeat itself now. Aaron, can you hold, can you throw that map up there just yep. so people One can second. see it again? Okay, because when you look at this map, market this map is going is, is going to take the market force pressure and multiply it by tens because in all, because there are many places. Where this map says not to have school, where the kids have been in school yes. since last August, last September. Yes. Where the kids have been playing sports this entire time. This is untenable. This this is not a defensible position. It is it is clearly the Biden administration pressured this CDC director who just a week ago was on Rachel Maddow's show. We played that clip, remember, yes. saying it is safe to reopen the schools, right? Yes. And now a week later, this ridiculous map
0: including her own child school. Yes. She she believes personally at a non-flack level that schools should be open. She's just lying up there. Look, at,
1: look, right now, folks, right now, less than 4% of ER visits in America, less than 4%, four, less than 4% of emergency room visits in America are for COVID-like illnesses, CLI, less than 4%. Now, I'm not even going to look at any other state. I'm just going to look at mine because I don't know any state better than I know my own. We were one of the first states to reopen. We were the first state to bring back high school in-person events. We just got rid of... We, 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 we kind of had a mask mandate, kind of didn't. And then the kind of one we didn't have, we just got rid of. We just got rid of all of our mitigations, actually. Just in time for all the state tournaments to start. I'm sure that's no coincidence. And we're not any form, not any form of a hot zone. In fact... To their credit, there were some left media last week going back and looking at, at the predictions that Iowa was dead, doomed, wondering why that never happened. They were actually writing about some of this about a week or two ago. Just with everything else going on, we didn't have time to cover it. Our state is hardly, as you used to it, call it, uh, Todd, smoldering ash. And according to this map, no place No place should be completely open in all of my state. None of the 99 counties should be completely open for either school or sports for all ages. This is not defensible. This is the Biden administration. They have been in office for a month, and here's what they've done for a month. And I'm not even going to look at this from a conservative viewpoint. I'm going to look at this from the viewpoint of my suburban neighbors who wanted the mean tweets to go away and voted for somebody they don't ideologically agree with just because it would make them feel better. Here's what they've here's what they've done to those people in a month. They lied to them about the amount of covid relief check they were going to get. Then a lot of them aren't going to get a check now, apparently. And then they told them, but we're not going to help you reopen your schools. This is the Democratic administration saying that teacher unions matter more than the parents and the students. We've always known this. This is not a revelation if you're on the other side of this camera or my microphone or your speaker listening to this. You and I, we've known this. But there's a lot of Americans... Who kind of knew it, but then would say stuff like, well, I just I don't agree with the unions, but my school is and my district's great. Right. Right. I mean, your your kids have been in government schools for the last few years. Mine never have. I'm sure you've heard this from how many parents? Right. Sure. Sure. Not saying that right now. And the backup they were promised by the follow the science. When you've lost CNN, you lost. That's like when LBJ said, when I lost Walter Cronkite, I lost Vietnam. When CNN's all like, what you talking about, Willis? You lost. This is untenable. It's an indefensible position. There's too many places where the schools and everything are already open. This is going to accelerate it now. This did not provide political cover for these districts to stay closed. It will infuriate people and do the exact opposite. It's just beyond dumb. But... What you find out is when they don't have Orange Man Bad to kick around, they really ain't that good at this. Do not get a crash course in home title theft here in 2021 because it could ruin you financially. Here's how that crime happens. The legal titles to our homes are kept online where they can be hacked. Cyber thieves know this, so they forge your signature on what's called a quit claim deed stating that you have sold your home to them. Uh, Then they take out loans against your home until your equity is gone. You won't know about it until collections or foreclosure notices start pouring in. You're not going to be protected by your homeowner's insurance or your mortgage provider. Either, But thankfully, Home Title Lock will protect you. And in the unlikely event that you become a victim of title theft while still a member, uh, they pledge to spend up to a quarter of a million dollars in legal fees to help restore your home's title rightfully to you. So go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim and then use the code radio for 30 free days of protection. That's the code radio, code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. One of my undeniable truths of politics, it's been a while since I've reset this, but today is a day where it is being proven a hundred proof true. You can always count on Republicans to preemptively surrender or cave, but then you can also always count on Democrats to weigh overreach in response to that, thus self-generating their own blowback, meaning nothing the Republicans did. It's just the positions that Democrats will then take in response to Republican complacency, Republican cowardice, weakness, enabling the positions that they will then stake out in response to that are so untenable to the American people that the American people are like, oh, hell no. And we've watched this play out how many times?
0: Worst yin-yang
1: ever. Say that again. Worst yin-yang relationship ever. You watch this play out this weekend on two fronts on the impeachment and on the school closings. They had to get out of that impeachment. Once they said, we're going to call witnesses. And Trump's lawyers are like, all right, we got a few. We can do this. We can dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. All right, because right now nobody's watching. We start calling witnesses. Think some people might tune in. And then like 10 minutes later, they are like, we're not calling witnesses. Let's just vote. I I caught doctoring evidence, playing videos of incomplete clips of Trump, things of that nature. Same thing is going on here with the schools. What the Democrats have done here with the schools is exactly the mistake. It's the exact same mistake that Republicans made with Obamacare after getting power in, after the 2016 election. Over and over again, we heard from Joe Biden last year. We're not going to shut down the country. We're going to shut down the virus. Your kids will be back in school. Mm -hmm. They even posed in classrooms at the convention, right? Yep. Yes. They were the return to normalcy. And sure, you'll have to put up with some cultural rot gut, you suburban voters who really aren't with us on the issues. But you want your way of life back. And you'll put up with some cultural rot gut to get your way of life back because I'm a more stable person than Donald Trump is. And I can get things done that he can't. That was their whole pitch, right? Yep. Which leads to one of my other proven, over and over again, proven true axioms. When elections are about personalities, Democrats win. When they're about issues, Republicans win. Every time. Never fails. This played out again in November. Well, plus the mail-in voting scam played out as as well. So remember, Republicans, 50-plus show votes to repeal Obamacare, Right? mitch 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 romney i I can't even keep all their names straight these (laughs) hacks are all the same mitch mccall to repeal that root branch remember that okay all these pledges right they're first. So Trump, because he doesn't know about any of this process and he isn't a politician and doesn't care. He just wants the he just wants a win. Put the win on my desk and I'll sign it. So he outsources it dumbly, naively to Paul Ryan, who was still House Speaker at the time. Do you guys remember the first attempt they made at repealing Obamacare? Do you remember what it was? Oh, I do, because I have friends of mine that are members of Congress who were there for this or no members of Congress. Who were opposed to the, who were in the House Freedom Caucus, opposed to the repealing of Obamacare because it didn't repeal Obamacare. What Paul Ryan's initial proposal was, was to repeal the corporate mandate of Obamacare, but leave the individual mandate in place. Bail out the corporations, screw the average American. Go back. Find our archives of all those shows in January, February of 2017. And, and it was literally the fulfillment of every Democrat com- campaign commercial ever. Republicans hate you. Don't care about you. Only care about corporations. And so the first move they made to repeal Obamacare, which cost Democrats over a thousand elections in the nine years after they passed it. Eh, we're going to bail out the corporations, but screw the average American. Remember this? Yeah. When they did this, and then they came back with some other, and then when they realized, when that blew up and it split their base in half, the way that they repealed Obamacare was to actually get rid of this. They got rid of both mandates, but then they kept, or they kept, they kept the regs, but repealed the subsidies. You know, the regs that said, you've got to pay for, if, if, if you'll, here at our company, we have three male companies here in the company I own that runs this show. Aaron opts out because his wife's a nurse and he's got the best health care plan you could possibly get. So it's just you and I's families, right? Yes. And between us, we've got seven dependents. Yes. Even if we didn't have those dependents, according to some of the regs, we'd be paying for pap smears. Those are the regs we're talking about. So all the regs stay, but then the subsidies go. Well, when you get rid of when you keep the regulations that drive up the cost of coverage, just because you had to cover more things, but you get rid of the subsidies that were paying for the regulations. What happens to people's health care premiums? They go up. They go up. It was the worst of both worlds. And so Republicans end up owning the issue of health care. The one that got them elected. The one that decimated the Democratic Party. When when Donald Trump took the oath of office on January of 2017, there were fewer Democrats in elected office in America than at any point since before FDR and the Great Depression when he realigned the map with the New Deal. In the very next midterm, they lost 40 House seats in the number one issue in the exit polling. Healthcare. They took the issue that they would on, handed it to the enemy, and got clubbed with it. Remember how frustrating all of that was? Do you remember? Yeah. I remember. Yeah. We are watching the Democrats do the exact same thing right now. Right now. This is their version of this. Is, instead of corporations, it's teacher unions matter more than you. This is everything we've ever said about them every show I've ever done on this topic, every blog you've ever written from anywhere from Nash Review to the American Enterprise Institute to Bright... This is one thing all these groups on the right who right now can't freaking stand each other. The one thing! The one thing they all agree on. <laughs> the one group they hate more than each other. Okay? Not even the Chinese. We can't even agree on whether we hate the Chinese or not. Because they're funding some of the think tanks we have. The one thing every one of us over in this space all agree on all have a targeted amount of hatred for Charlie Sykes at the Lincoln project, his last book before he went, never Trump was a takedown of the teacher unions. And I know this because I interviewed him on it. The one thing all of us agree on when we're not knifing each other is our freaking biblical level of loathing for the teacher unions. And they just decided, like the Democrat Republicans did on health care, we're just gonna we're gonna be your campaign commercials, we're gonna, and we're gonna do it out in the open. And just like Republicans wanted people wanted Americans to pretend they weren't watching their health care premiums go up, 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 up in 2017 and 2018, just pretend like that didn't happen. Here's a tax cut, which is nice, but it ain't even paying for the increase I'm getting in my health care Did it pay for yours? Didn't pay for mine. Now they want you. To, they want to say, "Hey, just hey, if you live in Iowa, you li- forget Iowa. Let's go to Georgia, where we just won two Senate seats. That was also one of the first states to reopen. That was also one of the first states to have high school sports. They were right after us. Forget that you've been going to high school sporting events since June and July in Georgia. Forget all of that. It's not safe to go to school there." This is this is why, from Joe Scarborough to Jake Tapper, this is why their own media is clubbing them on this. This is not a defensible position. It would only be defensible if Orange Man Bad were still in power, so they could blame it on him. But he's not. So just as Republicans said, you know what, we'll go ahead and we'll accept all the punitive blame for the, the stupid mistakes Democrats made with Obamacare what the Democratic Party in Washington, D.C., just did over the weekend is say, you know what? Your frustration with the unevenness of Trump's COVID, um, COVID management. I spent most of last year doubling the audience of this show by criticizing Trump in front of his audience on how weak he was on COVID. The numbers, those are the numbers, right, Aaron? Didn't we double our audience last year? Basically, yeah. Yes. And now the Democratic Party has just said over the weekend, but you know what? We'll take all the blame. That, that Blame that all on us now. Oh. <laughs> okay. This is not defensible, which is why no one's defending it, not even their own media. It's not defensible. It's why their CDC director was saying something different last week when she pretended to follow science. It's not defensible. And it's going to wreck them. And it should. Which brings us to Trump and what should happen next with him. I read something over the weekend that said Trump was very frustrated that he didn't have access to a platform to defend himself. Whatever you thought the odds of Trump getting acquitted in this impeachment uh, trial were, cut him in half if Trump's Twitter account were active. The fact that he was silent the entire time Removed the orange man bad persona from the equation, and forced them to make their case on the merits. As why it collapsed, <laughs> why it collapsed. If they 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 wanted a case of, don't you just doesn't this guy just annoy the hell out of you? Impeach him for annoyance. Can't you just just can't stop this blanking guy? Don't you want to just be rid of him? Forget Andrew Cuomo murdered nine thousand people and ought to, ought to be getting a lethal injection tomorrow. But the fact that he wasn't online anywhere meant that now all these stories are all coming to the surface now. So here's what Trump ought to do. And if I were advising him, it's what I would tell him to do. Sometime soon. Tomorrow would be a good day. Now that you're acquitted and in the free and clear, announce a revenge tour. And I don't even care if you call it that. I know at times on our show we have shown... No interest in getting involved in Trump's petty disputes, right? This, the 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 petty back and forth, the urination contest. It's been one of my it was one of my great frustrations of the four years he was in office. The amount of time we focused on those things, except for this time. I'm in on this one. I'm in a revenge tour for the 2022 primary cycle, and the goal is singular high political body count Mitch McConnell is trash ditch was trash before we ever knew Donald Trump was a political thing and he's trash now to stand up there and vote for his acquittal and then try to have it both ways is hot garbage but it's par for the course for that tool shed wipe them out all of them You know, the last few years, there's been a lot of conversations. Is Trump like David? Is he like Nebuchadnezzar? You know, these biblical heroes, or in Nebuchadnezzar's case, um, villains. (laughs) I never understood that comparison. All right. But to me, I I think there's actually, there is a pretty, I think, congruent biblical comparison with Trump. We've talked about it on this show before. Samson. Samson was another man whose pettiness, whose lusts. Lack of restraint, self-control, overshadowed his gifts, caused him great harm, calamity that should not have occurred, collateral damage that did need to happen, right? But there was one final act that justified Samson's legacy, and that is when he plunges the pagan temple to Dagon, the fish demon from hell, face down in the dirt and takes all of the worshipers of that shibboleth of the damned with him. That justified it, man. That, if, if you need it, dude, it, it ain't about how you finish, how you start, but how you finish. Now that's a finish, right? Yeah. You kind of forget all the times he was tapping the Canaanite brothel scene if he finishes like that, right? That's what Trump could do right now. He is more powerful as a private citizen than he is back in the White House. A revenge tour. Wipe them out. All of them. Because I don't care if it's Ted Cruz, Ron DeSantis, I don't know, I don't care who you think you want the next GOP nominee to be. Anybody an audience like this would want, anybody, anybody that an audience like this would want, those Republicans are gonna conspire with the Democrats to do the exact same thing to them. That maybe they'll have a maybe maybe President Cruz, when he tries to ban training madness in the military, it'll be a far more, a far more academically certified and approved executive order with lots and lots of footnotes, right? Are they gonna say, you know what? Because your 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 case, President Cruz, is so compelling. No, we're gonna no, no is the answer. No, no, they won't. It's gonna be Belarusian
2: conspiracy theory. That's right.
1: Yeah. Purge now. Purge now. And I don't care how petty it gets. I don't care how spiteful it gets. I don't care how judgy it gets. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm all in in 10 seconds or less. I'm in right. In fact, it's my damn idea. I'm in now before you have it. I'm in. I'm in. Grab your jawbone of an ass, Mr. President, and begin no this is one time. You don't have to show any restraint. None. In fact, we would prefer if you did not swing that jawbone of an ass with impunity, maximum prejudice, sweep the leg, finish them. And to me, like a Samson. That justifies all those other times when we didn't meet expectations, when we weren't like, oh, why'd you say that or why'd you do that? No. This is a grand finale. And, sir, it is just waiting for you to step up to the plate. Swing away. All right, back here again for Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre. And all of you, don't forget to let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's how you can email the show. Like us on Facebook, on Gab, on MeWe. Look for Steve Dace there. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Show. And if you're looking for clips of the show to sample and then hopefully share there with your audiences uh, the people that uh, that you follow and are connected with on social media go to youtube.com slash stevedace hit the subscribe button while you're there same thing when you go to rumble.com slash stevedace show for our podcast audience thank you very much we appreciate you that audience has grown by leaps and bounds here in the last year uh, please show your appreciation for us by leaving us a five star review hitting the subscribe button on whichever podcast platform you access us through the more of those we get the more it helps The show to grow even more. And that's why I want to thank all of you that have helped that uh, great growth for our program here uh, in the last 12 months. Thanks to each and every one of you. Also, if you've got a pet, like we have our dog, Cap, and We love to spoil them. We we, we love to, well, there's not a lot of places in America right now you can take them for walks, but we love to love on them, right? Make sure your pet is getting the right nutrition at the exact same time, though, because chances are... That food that you're buying at the store, it's dead as a doornail when it arrives there at the store. Same thing happens to our food. That's why we buy so many supplements these days. That's why it's one of the biggest sections at a lot of markets these days, because we've got to replace all the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pro, prebiotics, um, digestive enzymes, Uh, antioxidants. We've got to replace that stuff in our food. Uh, Same thing happens to our pets because they want that food to last on that shelf for a long time. Long expiration dates, mass distribution and consumption. So put the good stuff back in your pet's food with our friends over at Rough Greens. It's a powder. It's a supplement for your dog. It's a powdered supplement that apparently tastes great. I've not tried it myself, but Cap seems to love it. You mix it in with the, f- with the food your dog already loves, and now you've put all the good stuff back in that your pet is probably missing. See if you don't see a difference in your dog in 14 weeks or less when you get the Jumpstart bag today from our friends over at Rough Greens. It's just 14.95. Go to roughgreens.com blaze. R-U-F-F is how they spell it for roughgreens.com blaze. Before we get to our Monday town hall, Um, and this week Facebook audience will get to ask me anything. Before we get to that, uh, I kind of just went off for the entire hour there and didn't realize until Ron told me 30 in my ear that it was almost the end of the hour. (laughs) All right, so thank you for your patience, gentlemen. Do you have any thoughts on the matters I just addressed before we move on to our Ask Me Anything Monday Town Hall? I'm
0: just... The same anger issues uh, that you've addressed—it's not mine were there at the time. They continue the invincible ignorance that just continues to be embraced by both the experts. That did we you say like,
1: invincible or invisible? Because both of those would yeah, actually take, be applicable. I'll accept
0: either. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, and then um, it then continued to be swallowed. By people in a cultish or you're talking about the WandaVision aspect when people just start the glitches happen it's for the children somebody's got to break this and a lot of the regular people just kind of keep waiting for the experts to do it they're not gonna do it I, I told you last Friday I mocked a guy. The the expert with the mask who got caught without it. And you could see it in his eyes. The acceptance of his peers. The middle school clicky acceptance of his peers was the mm-hmm. most important thing mm-hmm. to him. You're seeing it again now with the new CDC director. Mm-hmm. She is on record as saying she was
1: fine with her own child's school. She was actually petitioning them. She went on MSNBC's. Flagship show, yeah. On, mo- on 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 any night in America, the number one cable news show is either Tucker Carlson or Rachel Maddow. This is the flagship opinion show of left America. She went on Rachel Maddow show, came off the friggin' top ropes, Jimmy Superfly Snuka style, on the White House and the teacher unions of her own volition last week. Yes, last week. So what changed? Well, we know it changed. That's why it's an indefensible position.
0: So the, just stop having respect for these experts I listen to them the first time but just remember a they're people just like you okay it's like in Rocky IV he bleeds but they're not the Russian jacked up on steroids they they really are as insecure and pathetic as you feel on your worst day okay so stop putting yourself in the corner baby okay get out there and dance and take your damn country back
2: Just the naked hatred that is increasingly on display by both the left and right in Washington there's there's with limited examples there is no left and right in Washington it's just it's just Washington it's it's just the the swamp but the increasingly naked disdain they have for the average american i mean steve has laid that out in detail he did that last week he did that last hour as well even for the suburbanites who they just won over this country is ripe. This country is ripe for somebody who will, who will take charge and take leadership in the future, but will not hold anything back, but will not be uh, persuaded by but daddies, <clears throat> Ivanka. This country is ripe for that. But here's the thing. This, that, that doesn't take away from the, the, the fact that the suburbanites that we talked about they just wanted the mean tweets to go away. That's the, that's a bigger problem than anything, anything right now going on in Washington, anything amongst the Biden administration. So I agree with your, your summation, Steve, that perhaps maybe the best last act that Trump could do is to go on a revenge tour. What what have you ousting some of these people who disdain you. But until uh, until the American people at large have a vision and actually see what's going on and have a desire for truth rather than getting rid of the mean tweets, we're going to see the same cycle play out. Overreach, preemptive surrender. Overreach, preemptive surrender. Agree. Over and over.
1: But we are on the uh, overreach side which, of that cycle at the which moment. Which is funner? For sure. Which is funner? It is funner. <laughs> yes. But no, we 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 are in a Skinner's box, man. We are hamsters in a maze. We we cannot stop this train. We want to get off. We, this this is why I've run this down before. And. You were kind of impressed that I did this all off the top of my head. It's just I've done this rundown so many times. I have it memorized now like a song. Okay. In 2000, George W. Bush became the first president in over a century to lose the popular vote but win the presidency. Despite coming in, therefore, in a weakened state in 2002, his party actually gained total control of Washington in the first midterm election. The first time Republicans had had that since, uh, I believe, Eisenhower in 2004. He then got reelected and became still the last Republican to win the popular vote. Despite that, in 2006, uh, there was a massive Democratic wave. Nancy Pelosi becomes the first ever uh, female House Speaker. Harry Reid is now the minority leader. In 2008, the Democrats nominate a guy named Barack Hussein Obama, who rolls to a dominant presidential win over a decorated war hero. And now Democrats gain more seats in the House and then get a 60 filibuster proof majority in the U.S. Senate. In 2010, we have the mass Tea Party wave. Democrats lose control of the House to John Boehner and the Republicans and see and lose their filibuster proof majority in the Senate. In 2012, After suffering those ignominious defeats, Barack Obama comes right back and wins re-election again over Mitt Romney. In 2014, after Barack Obama was re-elected again, Democrats suffer one of the worst one-cycle swings of defeat in the history of U.S. Senate elections. A nine-seat swing in the 2014 midterm elections. 2016, Donald Trump upsets every projection and wins the White House, the four decisive states, by 78,000 total votes and just, what is that now, Um, eight years after Democrats had a filibuster-proof majority in the U.S. Senate, there are the fewest Democrats in elected office nationwide than there had been since the 1928 election cycle before the Great Depression. 2018, though, Republicans lost 40 House seats and control of the House. And then in 2020, they lost the presidential election, but then gained... About 15 House seats in an election that defies math because it wasn't legitimate. So, that's just the last 20 years of American history, guys. Those, those are violent swings of emotion. It you, felt like a lifetime. Oh, yeah, it was mine. Yes. And yours. You know why those are violent swings of emotion? Because, Aaron, of what you just said. This is the cycle that we have been on. We have been on this cycle, really, since the end of the, the Bill Clinton presidency. And it is the cycle of preemptive Republican surrender and capitulation, followed by Democratic overreach that goes so far, it generates blowback from the American people. Not by anything Republicans have induced. Democrats did this to themselves. They went full Dave Chappelle. You played yourself. Republicans are just kind of standing there as the other guys benefiting from it. They promise to do better. They get into office and they don't. People get pissed. Democrats promise utopia, and then instead, um, they they um, they uh, they give you a gulag, and on and we just go we just do this over and over and over again, over and over again, with no end in sight. Is That the cycle you're talking about? Just a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's the never-ending story.
0: Just felt like being inspiring this morning here so to regale you know, us with I'm, that
1: again. I'm full of glad tidings of great joy on this awful, wretched, ball-crushing winter day. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's get to our Monday Town Hall, brought to you by our friends over at My Patriot Supply. You know, in fact, I, I said this to Amy because today is Costco shopping day, and I'm I'm out. I'm not even going to Costco anymore. <laughs> Never thought I would say that. I'm just, I'm out. Okay. Because the last time we I was kind of already out. And then the last time we went, I think we ran into that same cashier that you did. Yeah. Where I, I didn't have my mask over my nose, so she refused to check out the groceries. Do you guys think I put my mask over my nose? What do you guys think I did? No. Hell no. You know what I did? Nothing. She said they're talking. I just stood there checking Twitter on my phone. I didn't even acknowledge her. I mean, I suppose she can put a couple hundred bucks worth of goods back if she wants to do that. But I didn't even acknowledge her. Now my wife's nicer than me. That made her a little uncomfortable. I was totally fine. Okay, but for Amy's mental health, because I'm I'm inclined to go back there today without a mask, and a, or with a shirt that says "Come at me, bro." But. Amy's nicer and kinder and gentler than me, so I'm just going to let her handle Costco for a while, all right? But I did tell her before she went, based on some of the uncertainty I'm seeing right now, I don't think the odds are high, and we got plenty of it at home. But if they got it, go ahead and grab another thing of TP, man. I just you never know. Laugh all you want, but a year ago at this time, if I would have done an ad for my Patriot Supplies toilet paper special. You all would have mocked me,
2: right? Well, when did the the run on toilet paper start?
1: Late February into 1st of March. So yeah, this we were have, already we have, seeing it. We would have still said, yes. yeah. yeah, this is nuts. This is never, this is people overreacting. We see this in the Midwest. I know you guys in Texas right now are dying because you don't know how to handle this. We have, we have store runs like a half dozen times a year in, in this part of the country, any form of a winter storm, right? But then the time came that the toilet paper was gone. <laughs> All right. Next time it might be food. That's why you want to get the four week food kit from our friends at my Patriot supply. America's leader in survival food gives you 2000 calories a day. All right. And it'll stay good for a long, long time. Uh, Like, like 20 years. So go to prepare Get this four week kit. It'll be delivered discreetly to your home. Um, You know, they won't like Blair sirens that doesn't come in a bus doom prepper on the side if you're worried about that all right? it'll be discreetly delivered to your door maybe in as little as two days but at least you'll have the peace of mind to know you're ready for whatever Dementia Joe uh, and his cracked noggin cracked egg poached egg of a brain whatever it spews forth tomorrow all right? in, in defense of the teacher unions Pre- visit preparewithdace.com again that's preparewithdace.com save 20% right now at preparewithdace.com. All right, let's get to our Monday Town Hall. It is Ask Me Anything. This week, our Facebook followers get to take center stage. Todd, you have selected the questions. I have seen none of them. Aaron, you get to
2: ask them. Speaking of social media, guess where I logged on about 10 minutes ago? Is Parlor up? Yeah, it, it takes a while to log in, but uh, but I was I was able to get in. We'll start with Adam Cole, who says, help us to have a concise elevator pitch for our Branch Cavidian friends. Obviously, we all know the data and stats. What's the quickest way to sell the mask lie?
1: Uh, or to sell the mask are a lie. It's
2: sell the mask.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, I think what you need to show is I um, mean, how many of these charts have we either made or shared that others have made that have chronicled this data all the time? You know, I mean, uh, how much of that is on our Facebook and Twitter accounts? I can tell you how much. Um, about. Uh, three million minutes of Facebook time. That's how I know because that's what my Facebook traffic was last month. And now it's, it was 3.7 million minutes of time spent on my page with a lot of you going on there and getting these charts and graphics. And now it was only a month later, about 700,000 minutes that month because those charts and graphs are so devastating that facebook shadow banned me and crushed my traffic. in fact, i want to i want to show you what this looks like. all right? let me go to my facebook page right now. this is something that i just saw over the weekend. so let me hit refresh so i have the absolute latest uh, report right here here on my screen. all right, so facebook.com Slash Steve Dace. And we try to, whether it's Facebook, MeWe, now that parlor's back, Gab, Twitter, how much of this stuff do we post? We post all kinds of things that are easy for you to just share on your own pages and send links to people that they can look at and check themselves. I, I mean, tons and tons and tons. There is no. I don't think there's a verbal way to win to elevator pitch your way to the mask argument. At least not to the pin. I think you can ask a question like, "Hey, how come we haven't been wearing masks every flu season our whole lives?" You say stuff like that. Um, that will get you into the door, but I don't think you can just verbally close the close the sale on the, on the mask issue. I think you have to. Vis- I think you need some visual aids to show people need to see that data in real time. Okay, so this morning I posted on Facebook five hours ago that we were going to talk about this article in the UK sun about the Pentagon of the U S admitting that it's been holding and testing wreckage from UFO crashes. Okay. And Facebook claims that it has reached about 6,000 some odd people. It's got 61 comments and 52 shares, which for a a Facebook page like mine with well over a hundred thousand followers on it is nothing, nothing. Okay. But if you think that's bad, just wait. Yesterday um, or Saturday, I posted an article from the American County, American Academy, or the American Council of Safety and Health, quoting the CDC's own latest data from January the 19th on COVID 19. That there's been 83 million U.S. COVID infections in the U.S. Now, I actually think I can come up with data that shows it's more than that, but we'll just go with theirs. All right. And what it means if there's 83 million COVID infections in the U.S., when you run this math, which this article did, and then I ran some of my own, here's what it comes down to. The infection fatality rate for COVID, according to CDC. Like, didn't you have a poll that showed last year Americans thought 9% of people who got COVID died? Yeah. Right? You cited that poll? Yeah. All right. The actual IFR, according to CF, it's a CDC, which I think is still too high, but we'll go with it, is 0.5%. Not age stratified. All people. Anybody without age, pre-existing condition, any American, regardless of health profile, 99.5% chance they survive COVID-19. Now, obviously, the younger and healthier you get, those numbers go up even higher. The older or more pre-existing conditions you get, the odds go a little lower. But just across the board, any American, regardless of health profile, if you test positive for COVID, 99.5% odds you're going to recover and not die. And, and it also, if you do the math here, only 15% of infections, according to CDC, are asymptomatic. And why does that matter? Because what was the, what was the reason we had to do all the lockdowns? Asymptomatic spread. Asymptomatic spread. A bunch of us would go see grandma with no, the healthy people would carry it, not know they have symptoms or not know they have it because they're asymptomatic. They go infect grandma, get grandma sick and she'd overwhelm the healthcare system. That was the whole methodology, right? Well, the CDC's own data debunks this. Now, given that our show has been on, on the, on, on the, has been a tip of the, of the spear on this issue for the last going on a year now, Right. Yes. It's it's the number one reason that the, the audience to this show has doubled in the last year has yes. been the work we've done on this issue. We all agree on that, right?
0: I guarantee you they care more when you talk about this than about UFOs. Yes.
1: Facebook claims when I posted that it reached 1,300 people and generated six comments, six comments and 47 shares. And yet a post I made earlier that day which was a rant on 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 what conspiracy theories are now that conspiracy theories are now if you if you fail to 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 gobble down the fake news uh Orvington window fed narrative then it's now called a conspiracy theory amazingly that post received 24 000, that post reached 24,000 people got 122 comments and 700 shares and yet a post later, the same day, the same day, on an even more hot button and pertinent topic. Thirteen hundred people reached, six comments, forty-seven shares. That's what a shadow ban looks like. Okay, but all of that. So I, I wanted to document that for you because I didn't want to just be some other whiny host. Like those are. Th- this is the kind of stuff I'm dealing with all the time. I, I, I kind of think they haven't told me this. And I think it's just because a lot of people know it's probably not worth it telling me not to do things because I probably won't listen if I think it's right to do it anyway. <laughs> so there's no point. I kind of wonder if the Blaze social media team would like it if I stopped posting any COVID-related material on my Facebook page so they would bring my traffic back. But one of the reasons why I do it, and, and, and then, you know, with Parler, now Gab doesn't have 20 million users like Parler does. If you give me more platforms that are, that have the kind of audience that a parlor does, then I can say, screw it. I'm not dealing with Facebook shadow ban anymore. Anything COVID, I'm just going to post it on parlor. If parlor comes back in the next, in fact, I might do that actually. If we see in the next 48 hours or so that parlor is back strong and can handle it, then I might just say, Hey, from now, cause that will be easy for all of you to remember too. Don't you, you don't have to go here, go there. All the COVID stuff you want. From now on, everything. Just go follow me on Parlor. Look for Steve Dates there. We might do that, all right? But everything we've ever talked about on this show is all on our social medias. You just have to dig through it. It's all there.
2: All righty. Moving on. Danny Curry says, been listening to your show since March when Steve was absolutely right on everything about COVID, but everyone was calling him off on this one, to put it more mildly. And now I'm curious, how did Steve meet Todd, Steve meet Aaron, and Todd meet Aaron?
1: All right, let me see. I'll take the first crack and see if I remember this. I think I met you, Todd, because you called me out of the blue one day when I was a local sports talk radio host Correct. here in Des Moines. And you were looking at doing some, um, I can't remember, was it continuing ed? Was it like a correspondence course or something like that uh, to go along with your journalism degree on broadcasting? But you needed, like the final stage of it needed, like, like my wife has to have a for her internship uh, now where she is, is working on uh, finishing her coursework as a therapist she requires a, a professional to oversee her final act of work that she's cert- to certify Right? you needed somebody to do that like in the broadcasting right something like it that was,
0: yeah okay rough version of that yes. okay
1: and that's how you and i originally met and then we just got to be good friends from that time forward right correct for aaron um i actually originally did not know I mean, I've known your sister for many years. Uh, She helped to train my oldest daughter uh, for singing. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew your family through homeschooling circles and political activism. I didn't know you were in the family (laughs) when I reached out to you. I had, I can't even remember now. um, Your predecessor, who is just an enormously talented young woman named Rebecca Maxwell. When we made, when, when, we made when Salem put us back on at night again she's like you know i i i'd kind of like to find a husband and get a life and it's just really hard to do that <laughs> as a single woman working until 10 11 o'clock every night so i i got to step aside so i i a couple of people i know in the industry gave me some recommendations i can't even remember their names one of them was a young guy working at um uh, Northwestern University, the Bible College in Minneapolis. Gotcha. And it might have even been the guy, Dave, who runs the, the at the time, ran the local oh, okay. Northwestern yeah. College. Because I might have called some friends of mine and say, hey, mm. you guys know anybody? And when I, when I scouted you, I didn't even look at any of your production possibilities. I wanted to hear what you sounded like on air. Because I, why I can find, you can, that doesn't mean that's not a great skill. It is a great skill. But what I was looking for was talent. Skill you can hone, talent you have, right? I was looking for somebody who could contribute to the program on the air, and I was impressed with your on the air work. That's why I contacted you, and then I don't think you guys met until your first day yeah. working yep. on the on the job, right? Yep, that is correct. Just w- one point about that: I Steve
0: was doing sports radio, but I had not. I was a, I was a Des Moines Register reporter at the time. Steve was at the Register but had already left, so we didn't know from that perspective. And I was already experiencing the problem of my career not going as fast as I wanted to uh, because uh, when I would say conservative things, the liberals there would say, oh, now we... Put the scarlet letter on you. So Steve is substituting he's at that point in his radio career, he's substituting here in the morning show in Des Moines for the giant Jan Michelson. So I hear him for the first time and I'm it's like I'm listening to myself, We're, and I find out he's roughly the same age, then I start listening to him on sports, learning about his interests, and I I had to call him, but here's the thing about the class, it was just like, I can't remember, it was several hundred bucks or something like that, it was a way in that provided you access, and you did have to do an internship, but it, it was like, it wasn't graded, it was just a kind of a way of walking you through into an introductory uh, aspect of radio, and I knew I wanted other avenues besides print journalism, but I, I, once I found out Steve liked Star Wars, this thing was endorsed by George Lucas. So <laughs> I actually paid the money to be part of it so that Steve... Because I'm i going in cold to a guy. Can you help me out? And it's like, well, I mean, I don't know what... I didn't know all of Steve's background. Is he going to care? Does he have the time? So I thought this might be the way, instead of me coming in just as a guy, like having this on top of it and... And there it was. And amazingly, I mean, I don't, we, we we had lunch a couple times a year, hung out together. But the amazing thing is, is when I, I, I think I literally almost broke through at the Des Moines Register. My editor came to me. This is the same editor, funny, who screwed Steve on him getting a column. But they were about to give me, uh, they were auditioning me to be a conservative columnist. He actually liked me there. He screwed Steve for reasons that have to do with, unfortunately, I think, pressure and cowardice from above but i think he would have given he did give steve the column and i think he really would have done it for me but then came uh the corporate um we all had to reapply for our jobs and it fell apart but before that happened i i gave steve these columns i said what do you think he asked me to write them and steve got back to me immediately he says oh they'd be crazy not to hire you then i get canned and steve just happens to be at the point in his career months after he said you know what i mean i didn't have to give him the columns and say help me out he said i've already read your columns why don't we just do this so god i mean steve and i have been friends for i don't know more than a decade mm-hmm. and i think that was 2004 i tell you, when you what met, yeah. you just got to trust his timing sometimes because here we are talking about this
2: let me read one more question before we go to break here this is interesting i think anyway <laughs> eric walker do you think pirating Disney content is morally permissible if the goal is to intentionally hurt them financially because they're an evil company?
1: I knew you'd love this. I do love this question. I I kind of think a, a better person should answer this question. Okay. So um
2: Will you be a better person what, what after
1: what the break? What do I think the answer is, or what do I think the answer is? should be and likely is are 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 two different things you know like for example just just have one of your buddies bite the bullet and get a Disney Plus subscription but then just have like 80 of you all use that login right yeah there you go what was his name Eric 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 what do you think the answer to that question is (laughs) Eric I'd ask you what do you think I, I did he just? Did you just get Kobayashi Maru? I did. I, I refuse to comment on the grounds that it may incriminate me, and we'll move uh, on and take on another question that I might answer when we come back. If you are guilty of wrong, think. You know, you you voted the wrong way, you posted the wrong things, you have the wrong opinions. The left is coming for you uh, with their campaign of censorship, repression, cancel culture until the last voice of opposition has been crushed. They're backed by big media, some of the biggest corporations in the world. It's an unholy alliance to track censor, and spy on all of us. That's why it's never been more important than it is right now to protect your internet activity from bad actors. And that's why I urge you to get ExpressVPN. I've got it installed on all my machines here, my laptop, my phone. I have here with me in the studio because everything you search for, watch, or click online can be tracked by these companies. They can then match your activity to your true identity using the device's unique IP address. Now, sometimes this hoists people from their own petards. I remember before we came to the blaze and we had our own individual website yep. that a, uh, a guy got, sent me a note and got mad at me. I don't know. Do you, you might remember this. A guy sent me a note and got mad at me because of all the risque ads yeah, that were appearing when he read our stuff on our web at the stevedace.com website. Right. And then we had to inform him that the way that these, uh, these ads work, is they're catered to your searches, to your interest, what you have shown that you're looking at and you're looking for. So if you're seeing a lot of risque ads, that's, actually more about what you're doing online than what we're posting, (laughs) All right, so that's an example of what we're talking about. But when you switch to ExpressVPN with your computer, phone, any device, your IP address is masked by a secure VPN server, which makes it harder for websites to identify you. Uh, It also encrypts your network data to protect the most sensitive information from being compromised. You can use ExpressVPN on up to five devices simultaneously so the whole family can stay safe safe with a single subscription all of this and not to mention the easy install just takes a couple of minutes that's why they've been rated the number one vpn by both cnet and wired so, stop handing over your data to people that hate you. Go to expressvpn.com slash Steve. That's expressvpn.com slash Steve. And find out how you can get an extra three months for free when you go to expressvpn.com slash Steve. All right, let's continue with our Monday Town Hall, Facebook Ask Me Anything. Aaron.
2: All right, we've already done Eric Walker. Here's Ethan Doty, who says, why are the tech billionaires on the side of the left and the O'Biden administration when they are vilified for being rich and not sharing their wealth? It seems the opposite should be true.
1: It does seem that way, but I know that we have, and, and the incestuous Republican consultant industry and a lot of these, think ta- these GOP think tanks in Washington have created this notion that, the the magic voter in America is someone who doesn't care about any real moral issue and just wants more money. The exact opposite is true. In fact, there have been, I, I, I think I just read this morning, there have been two major corporations. Verify this for me, Todd, if you could. But I think I read this morning two major corporations have come out in, in favor of $15 minimum wage. Walmart and Amazon. They would such corporations would have never done that in the 80s, 90s, or even in the 2000s. because the culture of the corporation was we can't afford that. That, that impacts our bottom line, which then impacts our uh, our profit margin which then ultimately uh, impacts the value of our stock and therefore of our company. But culture trumps profit. These people are true believers. It's a religion to them. They came out of the schools that preached them the spirit of the age. They are now devotees. Just as there were Just as there were in in the first century church, you know, Jesus says, hey, the son of man has no place to hang his head, doesn't have a home, which meant that he had to rely in his earthly ministry, him and the apostles for those three and a half years had to, if they weren't sleeping out in the sticks, but if they had a shelter over their head, like where did they get the space for the First Communion, where did that come from? For them to have that Passover supper, the Last Supper, where, where did that space come from? The upper room that they hid in, where did that come from? They had to, they had to, they had to be beneficiaries of other people's gratuity, other people's donations. And, and those would be people that knew donating to this cause, to this religion might put them in danger societally but the the religious conviction trumped that there's a little scene in the new testament on good friday when joseph of arimathea goes and asks the officials for the body of christ to properly bury him If you don't understand the context of first century Jewish culture, you don't really know, truly, what a remarkable stand Joseph was taking there. First of all, he's a member of the Sanhedrin. Secondly, he's a Pharisee. He's the elite of the elite. So he's a member of the group that that helped to sentence Christ to death. He's a member of the group that spent more time than any other scrutinizing him, questioning him, badgering him during his earthly ministry. He is defying the social order, folks. He's defying it. He's outing himself, really. He's outing himself, maybe not yet as a follower, but he's at least interested. He's at least impressed. And he's giving up one of his own tombs, which these are of a substantial expense in, in that day and age. I mean, that, that was a tremendous statement for Joseph of Arimathea to say. To a public declaration, I'm risking ostracization. I'm wealthy. I'm respected. I'm popular. I'm risking that because, this is, because I have a conviction And maybe I'm not sure whether this Yeshua of Nazareth is Messiah or not, but at the very least, I was impressed with his teaching. At the very least, I think he was unjustly crucified. And at the very least, I think, given the lessons that he taught us, he deserves a better burial than this. That's a great risk that he took to do that, societally. This is what these companies are doing from a spirit of the age perspective. In their mind now... It is more important for their share price to have a ratio of 3,500 people clicking like about some woke position they took on a Twitter account than the difference of paying somebody 1150 an hour or 15 bucks. That that's where the profit margin is determined now in their minds. And so that's where their conviction is. In life, in any walk of life, in any enterprise, any endeavor, you are the hills you're willing to die on. That's who you are. You may claim anything you want, but ultimately, you are the hills you're willing to die on. Joseph of Arimathea was willing to die on this hill. These left-wing corporations, these are the hills they're willing to die on. It's because it's what they really believe. Were you able to verify that? Was I right or wrong about that?
0: Well, you're definitely in the ballpark. There's questions about why they're seemingly openly flirting with this. Yeah. And one of the, it's
1: just a craven. Uh, it would also drive out small businesses that can't afford that. thing. Exactly. That's it. Yeah.
2: Can't afford those wages. Right. Moving on, this one's fairly lengthy from Eric Johnson, who says Since you love college football almost as much as me, what are the odds that the petition the Pac 12 players sent to the conference will be beefed up this year and all the major conferences will have some form of it? Also, what are the odds that this will only be a build up to greater things where next you'll see demands for something like LGBT coaches on every staff, etc., and that the social justice warrior movement will get so out of control that the NCAA's caving to every demand, will either ruin college sports, force the major conferences to start their own thing, or some form of both.
1: Um. Well, I think you're heading towards the major conferences doing their own thing anyway. I think that's that's coming anyway. The NCA uh, is enforces recruiting rules and eligibility rules against member institutions in football, but has no other say in football, doesn't control the scheduling, makes almost no money off of college football. That, that's why they have to play this NCAA tournament this year after missing it last year. Uh, the men's basketball tournament is over 90% of the NCAA's nonprofit operation budget every single year, just the men's tournament. So they don't really have a lot of power and say in football now. So I, I think you're heading there no matter what. I think you're heading to a separation of these big conferences from the NCA, And I think we're a lot closer to that happening than we are from it not occurring. Uh, all the other stuff you're talking about. I will tell you, I've, I've, I've not said it out loud because it almost feels like to, to speak about it would be like jinxing a situation. But I've, but I've, I've frankly been very surprised we haven't gotten there already. And one of the reasons why maybe we haven't is just because when you, when you separate the social media, this is why our new buddy Jason Whitlock talks about how social media has ruined sports. Because, folks, I can promise you, I've covered sports teams, college and professional. In another life, I was a sports writer. I've, I've, I've been in locker rooms. I know how they talk. I know what they say. White, black, <laughs> you can't handle the truth of what goes on in there, folks, okay? When they feel safe, when they're bonded as brothers, the level of ball busting and the amount of brutality in those pursuits that goes on, you ever covered a major college basketball game right there at the court. You hear how they talk to each other. Do you hear what they say? I have. Okay, and it ain't a Jamel Hill blog. I'll tell you that much. All right. So I I do think that social media has 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 taught these athletes they can gain some kind of a, a, a claim through gaining their social justice warrior ratio. That's what Whitlock is talking about. But when you take the pr- the prying eyes of social media away and they're not on their phones and and tweeting and they're in the arena doing battle. It's a dramatically different place guys. Dramatically. Now I don't know what a military barracks is like. Never been in that setting. I don't know anything about that. Only secondhand from members of my family, like my father-in-law who was 101st airborne. So I mean, I, I don't know what that level of testosterone in an enclosed setting unleashes, but I do know what it does in an athletic setting and i can promise you it it it's 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 not an intersectionality ted talk by jamel hill or bomani jones i can promise you that it's nothing like that regardless of how they vote color of their skin what sport it is it's nothing like that nothing
0: maybe on the vanderbilt football team but maybe. most
1: other places yeah, but, yeah it's just not like that and i think maybe that maybe keeps some of that stuff at bay will that be an indefinite period of time Nope
2: all right let's go next to gina patrone kelly who says two weeks ago or so you mentioned the fervor with which you once debated stephen king's novel the stand i recently completed the novel and then cbs's miniseries adaptation would love to hear your thoughts on some of the symbolism
1: so it's been many years since i have read the book uh, Amy and I actually, when the lockdowns first began last year, actually went online and watched the old 1990s TV miniseries again with Gary Sinise, Molly Ringwald. Wow. Um, it it just doesn't do the book any form of justice. All right, have you guys read The Stand? Do you know what it's about?
2: Nope. You have any clue? Okay. Well, it's basically don't... about a super virus, right?
1: It's about more than that. that. That essentially... Well, here's what I think it's about. He doesn't flat out say this, but since that's the question, what I think it is, is that it's a retelling of the book of Job in some respects, where God and the devil agree to a trial. But instead of one man named Job, it's all of humanity. A virus named Captain Trips that is being experimented on at a U.S. military base as a weapon, as a bioweapon, is unleashed. And something like 98% of humanity is wiped out within a matter of weeks by this virus. And the 2% that are left, or maybe it's 1%, I can't remember the number, begin getting dreams. One from an old black woman in, I think it's Lincoln, Nebraska. I can't remember her name. Uh, And then from another guy named Randall Flagg, who's in Las Vegas. So you can kind of guess... Where God is amassing His people, right, and where the and where the enemy is amassing his right, and Randall Flagg is essentially the Lord Nefarious of this story. He is the devil's um, lieutenant. His he's the devil's Harvey Keitel bad lieutenant. He's the field marshal of the operation, and these two populate what's left of humanity amasses in these two locations to then essentially have a battle of Armageddon over which side will then get to reboot human civilization and the good guys win. But if I remember right, the way that the good guys win is via um, a sacrificial act. Now, when I was in college, I was not a believer. I was, I was vaguely aware of Christian teaching. Now vaguely aware of Christian teaching in 1992 means a heck of a lot more than it does in 2020. So I kind of you know knew the whole story the, the the claim that Christ died on Good Friday and was and rose again on the third day, but I didn't really catch the parallel of that story. So that's what I thought. That that's what I think it is. I, I think it is Stephen King. Whether it's intentional or not, he is intending. This is his own um, biblical allegory, and it's there's lots of Easter eggs in the book from what I recall lots of rabbit trails. Nowadays, so many movies and stuff ever since Lost and J.J. Abrams really perfected this and now every movie and Marvel's made a cottage industry off of follow the easter eggs on their shows and this is kind of standard operating procedure in this in the genre now. But when that book came out, which I think was 1979, 1980, something like that, you know, we we didn't you know, we didn't have stuff like that. That's why you could stay up late at night over a couple of bourbons or a couple of beers and debating what all these symbols mean if if they mean anything at all you guys would both love this book both of you would yeah Mike might grab it alright that's going to do it for today uh, the overtime we're going to stick around and record that the pentagon admits it is pilfering UFO raw material we will discuss <laughs> all that and more uh, next for the rest of you see you tomorrow noon to 2 right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV radio and podcast John three seventeen. <laughs>